Hey everybody, welcome to the Vox Podcast. You got all the usual suspects here today. All right. Mr. Michael, Carl, Erie. <laughs> the one and only Bonnie Gail Lewis. What? I feel like we need actual, like, the, uh, any, like, one of those the little sound like effects. Horns. Yeah, like, if we were more, like, more well-equipped, I'd have the, I'd have that all set up. Uh, but DJ we're doing it. We're doing something new that we want to start doing more <clears throat> often uh, today, which is kind of like a. Uh, we went through a little series over the last three weeks with uh, two episodes with Mister Doctor Timothy Gombus on um, mm. his his blog work on God is not in control. There it is. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> I love how delayed it was, but it was timed well with Gombus. Yeah, if yeah. Anyone needs good. it? It's it's Gombus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we did those two, and then we did uh, Mr. Peter. Hey, he's also a doctor too, huh? I just yeah. So we had a month of doctors. Uh, Doctor Peter Ends uh, was last week's episode, um, talking about the Bible, and then we thought that uh, we want to start being more intentional with our themes and our arcs and. Um, so today we're going to look at some questions and um, just kind of dive into that last three weeks. Does that sound accurate? Does that sound yes. accurate to our game plan? I loved it. Yes. 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 It, it, it seems um, after three weeks of doctors that it's time for those with master's degrees yes. to kind of step up to the plate. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah, and and you know correct um, the doctors, <laughs> and so unsurprisingly, um, let's start with uh, with Doctor Gombus, the two parter on whether or not God is in control. That unsurprisingly, Bonnie, that stirred up a few questions. <laughs> yes, as we knew it would. Yes, um, but let's hear some of them because I bet they're good. You know that they. they Yes. So these are a combo of emails we got, comments on social media that we got, and um, a comment or two from uh, on Patreon. So uh, this is from Eric. Hello. Hello. Period. Well, I, I have full respect for somebody who punctuates after hello. Uh, I listened to the Wake Up Dead Man podcast a couple of times, had a question regarding how Gombus was talking about how to pray. And I love that it's Gombus. It's not Tim. Yeah. It's not it's Dr. Doctor? Gombus. It's just Gombus. <laughs> we've, we've pretty much renamed him for just the rest of eternity. It is so like. nice. He never corrects us. No, never. We just call him Gombus. I understand and relate to his call regarding uh, or uh, his call for lament, as well as his questioning whether or not we should be praying for health and comfort, since that isn't what we see in Scripture. However, when Jesus says how to pray the Lord's Prayer, he does say to give us our daily bread, which would seem to imply prayer for some health and comfort, or is the bread not literal? It seems like the Lord's Prayer wasn't thought of in his processing of how to pray, please address. Also, in the vein of, quote, bless this food to our bodies, you should be praying that God blesses your podcast to our ears in the same way that I'm praying he blesses this email to your eyes. I love that. That was snarky and funny. All right. (laughs) 
So, um, so one of the things uh, we'd asked Tim was, okay, so, so what's prayer look like in the midst of this, right? You remember this conversation, Timothy, you were particularly yeah. interested in this. And, and Tim was talking about, um, you know, there's a lot of bad praying going on. Uh, we can learn a lot from the lament tradition, praying very short prayers, crying out to God, um, asking the day of the Lord, asking that the day of the Lord would hasten um that the church would be brought wisdom you know that we would align with god's purposes but then that was about it uh in terms of you know what he was saying we could pray so bonnie yeah uh master of divinity that you are oh would mm-hmm. you theology oh is it ma theology ma theology i didn't take that extra year on preaching yeah yeah i know me neither so we're just masters of of arts, right? Of, you got an MA? Yes, MA. Okay, I, I got an MA. Tim, what do you got? Defense against the dark arts. Oh. <laughs> yes. He's got a certificate from the University of Phoenix. You know, he's got a Hogwarts. A Perfect. Over there. Perfect. Um <laughs> So, uh Bunny, what do you think? Um the first thing, this I'm just t- I'm just telling you the first thing that came to mind when I heard that. Um, I've always understood the Lord's Prayer to, um, it's obviously very multi-layered, multi-faceted, but in terms of the give us our daily, our daily bread, I've always understood that to be an expression um, that should point us back towards the manna in the wilderness. When they are out of food, the Israelites are wandering, uh, they have no food, and God sort of gives them manna and quail rain down from heaven and he says only gather what you need for today if you gather extra it will spoil of course they don't listen they gather extra it spoils um and so i've always took that to mean not necessarily comfort uh but a trust that i'm gonna have what i need for today um i'm not gonna have any more or any less so whatever i have for today i will need but also trust that um and so trust that I'm going to get that. And then also be, um, I don't know the right word here, um, accepting enough or be able to go, this is what I need for today. Maybe sometimes I want more, uh, but that's not necessarily like that doesn't give me the best posture in terms of um, trusting Jesus or having what I need or staying humble or all those different things that like there's a certain posture associated with, hey, this is what we need for today um, and let's be content in that so that's that's the first thing that came to my mind so would you say that prayer is still a a prayer for provision um yeah i think it probably still is but i view provision and comfort differently like there's been times that we've had no money and i've eaten crackers all day and that was not comfortable but i was still provided for i was still Mm -hmm. made full and then we got paid the next day and things were different you know what i mean so i think provision and comfort are two very different things I think that's really well said. The Israelites were certainly not comfortable in the desert. Right. Uh, just getting the same thing over and over. <laughs> manna stew, manna pie, <laughs> manna casserole, exactly. manna, manna creole. <laughs> like, yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, so I, I think that's really well said, Bonnie. The distinction between provision and comfort, we yeah. often conflate those. And what mm-hmm. Tim seemed to be really, Tim seemed to be really going after are the selfish, self-centered prayers mm-hmm. of American Christians that are just nothing more than grocery lists, mm. you know, or Santa Claus requests. 
There, right. There's no attempt to align with God's purposes. There's no attempt to pray through his word. It's literally just my and my wants listed out in front of, in front of God. Right. And I think God's so gracious, he lets us do that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think, I, I think that's what he means by bad praying. Yeah. But I also see, so, so my, I, I asked the same question. One of the things I was going to bring up uh, to Tim was the Lord's Prayer. Um, I also, there, like, there's this passage in 3 John. And, you know, 3 John, very popular. Very, very much um, quoted. <laughs> but it's just, it's like, it, um, John writes, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. Hmm. Um, I mean, there, there's enough where I think we can say with biblical justification, uh, like, cast all your cares on God because he cares for you. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's absolutely, absolutely. Jesus isn't pretending we don't have these cares. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I actually think we have more permission than, than what Gombas let on. But I think he was making the bigger point uh, about how lame and small and selfish our prayers normally are. I would, I would then, you know, kind of with you say, yeah, but I do think there's like, you know, when James talks about um, the elders praying for the sick mm-hmm. um, uh, or, or um, people coming to Jesus and asking about the details of their lives or their suffering or whatever, there, there does seem on the face of it to be a great deal of permission to bring our real daily concerns before right. God too. Agreed. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Tim, what do you think about that? Oh, I don't know. Yes. I'm confused. I, well, I'm, just, I'm just confused on prayer in general right now. Or I'm in a learning, I'm in a, I don't want to say a holding pattern, but I'm in a, like, I'm just re-exploring all of it. So when I think about this, just in light of this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's explain what you mean. With, uh, with, the, um, with the Ahmad Arbery stuff, right? So just seeing the, uh, the, the young man who was, the young African-American man who was sh- shot down by the two white men in trucks while he was out jogging when I'm praying about that and I and I was trying you know we were leaning into mourning and leaning into lament and just asking why why are why are we why are we still here why why are our hearts and our minds kind of still so divided and so violent and segregated and um and then it's like you're praying for people's hearts to be changed it's like what does that mean if mm-hmm. those folks are not leaning in and and looking to change themselves, right? What am I asking God to do? And and what what does God do historically with that, right? So, I I don't know. I don't know what I think about. I mean, the Lord's Prayer that makes sense to me. Um, but I don't know. I just don't know. That, I would say that's my answer. I don't know. Perfect. Yeah. And- <laughs> Maybe one of the best answers about prayer in general. <laughs> yeah, is I don't know. Right, right. How's it work? Not sure. Why doesn't God always answer prayer? Don't know. Why does God answer some and not others? Don't know. Are those even answered prayers? You know, yeah. I mean, I, but the way I saw our conversation with, with Gombas was that he was taking a big swing to correct an overcorrection. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Which is just the selfish, consumeristic, individualized praying that we do. 
instead of corporate lamenting, corporate groaning, joining creation, partnering with the spirit who groans, you know, on our behalf and our weakness. Like, so I, I totally, I couldn't agree more with what he's saying, but I don't think that precludes the bringing of individual concerns. I think the 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 larger point is that Tim is placing prayer in a covenantal framework, which I don't. I, mm. I place prayer in an individualized Santa Claus to, you know, someone sitting on Santa Claus's lap kind of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and when I think about it, I, tell me what you think of this, Bonnie. Like, there's... So, so one of Tim's big concerns was to say that sovereignty doesn't equal control. Mm. Um, and and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the fact that there's there are all kinds of different ways of expressing power. Correct? Like, yeah. coercive power is the least um, effective way of doing power. It's effective mm-hmm. in the short term, like you can literally put a gun to someone's head and make them do something. Right. But it doesn't shape or lead to long-term outcomes that would be congruent with, you know, your aims. Right. Um, So I was thinking of, like, there's the power of example. There's the power of manipulation. Mm -hmm. There's the power of agape love, right? Mm -hmm. Love is is powerful. Yeah. So I think that God can still exercise all sorts of power on the earth if power means influence, if power means... um, uh, using evil uh, to bring about good, that that doesn't mean he has to control everything either. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the way we raise our kids. I mean, the health unhealthiest kids would be the kids that we have to force to do things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think again, though, like some of these things, like what we just talked about, comfort and provision, um, like some of these. It's this slight difference in wording. Mm. Um, but I often see, like, I don't know if it's, we just don't know. We are going so fast in life. We are not paying attention. We haven't been taught. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like some of these big phrases and questions and big doctrinal points are just sort of, um, like, skipped over. Like we believe mm. this, this, and this, and then you're like, okay, and you sort of just sign up for it. Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. you get older, and you're like, wait, what? And mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to kind of go back. Um, but again, the 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 nuance, it's very mm. slight, but it mm-hmm. makes a big difference. That's good. Yeah. So Eric, great question. Um, this is from Craig through Patreon. <clears throat> um, my question is, how does Gombus's thesis affect the way we interact with the Psalms? So many of the Psalms seem to emphasize God's control or at least influence in our lives. Language like being a rock and fortress, help in times of trouble, rescue from our enemies, turning the snares of the wicked back on them, even leading us beside still waters, etc. I don't think Gombus was making the argument that since the Psalms were written by Israelites, that they fell under the old covenant system, and I've never thought the Psalms are just feel-good literature. Anyway, curious what your thoughts were. Maybe something you'd spend a couple of minutes on in your outro in a couple of weeks. Boom, here you are. Wait, what? what's his question? What's the initial question? The initial question is, how does Gombus's thesis affect the way we interact with the Psalms? The Psalms assume that God can move and influence mm-hmm. things and do things in the world. Right. 
right? Um, and he gives a bunch of examples. But but Gombas's thesis seemed to be along the lines of we're the answers to our own prayers. Oh. Does that make sense? I think so. Maybe start talking about it. I'll <laughs> chime in. Well, I, I mean, I would, I would, I would talk about so. So when you when you read the Psalms at face value, they're asking God to rescue. They're asking God to intervene. Mm-hmm. They are written within within an Old Testament covenantal context, though. So I don't know what Gombas would do with that. I don't know if he would emphasize that or not. My, my suspicion would be that yeah, he would emphasize that in that. Um, God drew direct lines between Israel's fidelity or infidelity and his provision or not provision for them mm-hmm. as, na- as part of the nature of that covenant. And so the laments we read about in the Psalms presuppose a covenantal context that you and I can't presuppose, although mm-hmm. the emotions behind the prayers and laments are certainly universal. Yeah. Does that make sense so far? Yes. So, so if that's true, then how do Christians relate to the Psalms, or can we, asking for the same sorts of things, right? So is it proper to ask God to be my refuge, or to be my strength, or to get me out of this snare, or to, um, you know, those who are trying to hurt me, you know, to protect me from them? Mm. What do you think? I... We will all just stare at each other. Um, I I think, um, like, I love this question because I have never once thought about if what I'm praying is proper. Mm. I have very much Mm. literally just, like, spilled it out. So I'm, I'm working from the standpoint that God can take all of my, all my things. Now, to be fair, part of that, honestly, is because I'm an Enneagram 4. So the emotions and the waves at which they come, et cetera, et cetera, are a lot. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost part of how an Enneagram coach would say, one of my coping mechanisms for being wired that way. Mm. Um, I don't read the Psalms as something like, okay, this, they, they, they acted like this because they were in this covenant. I view it as a common human experience of, um, gosh, when you're really mad, of course you would ask for that. Mm-hmm. When you're really mm-hmm. sad, of course you would say that. Um, I'm not concerned at all about if God answers that or if it comes true. I'm more concerned about the interaction between human and God when those prayers take place. Hmm. Got it. That's good. What about you, Stafford? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I've always liked the Psalms because of the, and I don't know if this is an answer to that, but it's like a weird window into, it's like if you, um, you know, if if David was a, a huge celebrity, right? And to an extent he was, but I'm just trying to put it into a modern context. Like, and you're just like, that's the king. That's the dude. That's the guy where there's a big piece of space between who I am and who he is. I see him through a certain lens because that's the only lens that I have. Right. This is like a behind the scenes thing where it's like, you know, this is him giving an, 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 like a direct look into his personal faith and his personal, pain and anguish and that kind of stuff and I've always respected it because of that 
you know, if that makes sense. Like that's what I've always used the Psalms as like, I'm this, Mm-mm. who is this guy that, uh, had this crazy, you know, affair and killed the lady's husband. And God was like, this is the man after my own heart. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And trying to just like sit in there and look at it that way. So I don't know that I've ever, I don't, I've never prayed intentionally the way that David prays. When I pray, I'm usually trying to make sure that I'm actually posturing myself to speaking to the God of the universe and not Mm. just talking in my head. Mm. Like I will stop my prayers almost every time, multiple times throughout to like refocus and make sure that I am like actually praying and not just Mm. running through a bunch of jargon in my head or and so now this journey of trying to figure out what prayer even means, I, it's, it's even altered that more because I'm mm. picking it apart and being like, what am I trying to accomplish by this? Or what am I trying to bring to God in this? And so I don't know that the Psalms were ever, a lot of it was just like, this is a, this is a time and place too. Like he, he, David was reacting to a lot of very specific things and I don't mm-hmm. know. So I'll, I'll stick mm-hmm. with, I don't know for 300 no i think and i think part of it is that like maybe this is so cynical or um negative i always say i'm sorry my husband always says i'm too much of a pessimist and i'm always like no i'm just a realist and he's always like that's always what pessimists say (laughs) um but i think like i have come to a point of peace of like i don't know how it works i don't know how um, if I should be doing this or not. Like sometimes I really believe in it. Sometimes I don't. Like I'm just being totally honest because I'm like, I don't know. I've witnessed and seen prayers being answered. I've also witnessed and seen ones that I like, these should be answered and they're not and now I'm mad. So on my best days when I am um, like understanding, out, having understanding of God and prayer outside of myself, um, that posture, like you just said, Tim, is so helpful um, in picturing sort of this Trinitarian aspect to it um, and the Spirit and the Father and Jesus and sort of this idea of like there's all these layers and there's all these things that are happening in the world that have nothing to do with me. Mm. Um, And that maybe is why this specific prayer didn't get answered. Do you know what I mean? So when I'm at a spot where I can posture that um, if I'm not grieving something or I'm not angry about something, I agree. I think that that um, this zoom out picture has been the most helpful and has um, brought me the most peace. Mm. Along those lines, all right. So, so this is from Mandy. Um, she See, asked, we were she, talking about the jukebox and the head thing. I just can't. It's like Mandy or Brandy, right? But <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It's just the song, uh, like, I mean, my brain just automatically starts playing. Automatically. I love it. Um, So, Mandy, um, I agree with Gombas about the whole God not being in control, but being sovereign thing. I was interested in the question, Mike, you asked about if prayer, uh, about prayer at this time of pandemic. Um, I felt his answer was interesting, but it lacked an element that I would have liked him to comment on. And that is what role... Um, does praying for people's healing um, have at a time like this? I totally agree with prayers of lament in times when sitting in silence using the gift of presence is needed. And then, and then there are some very specific 
circumstances that this person's in. I'm uncomfortable with shutting the door on God's supernatural working even today. And whilst, I love that, they pre, uh, present me with the difficulty of explaining with any real justice how God works, I cannot live with a narrow gospel that closes down this element of God's nature. All that is to say in pastoral care, there is a case, is, let's see, there is a case for praying and healing, but it must be accompanied with humility and with tangible acts of love. So, so one of the questions we were discussing with Gombas is, hey, is, does God intervene apart from human agents? Mm. Right? You remember that one? Yes. Yeah. yes. Or, or literally, is it just unless humans do it, God's not going to do it? Yeah. Um, so, so this person seems to be asking, okay, um, do we, are we really okay saying God doesn't miraculously intervene? And if, if that's true, should we be okay praying for healing in uh, a time of pandemic? Bam. That's a big one. That's a big, a big one. one. That's a big one. I, I, I agree with her. I don't, as much as I get confused about prayer or, um, it's a, spot that I'm continually growing in and trying to understand better. Um, I also can't picture a God and the God of the universe that isn't miraculous. Like, I feel like that's sort of baked into the whole thing. Mm. Um, and I've heard so many stories and I don't know why this is true. Maybe you guys know. Uh, but seemingly from other countries, more than I've heard of people in their experiences in America, where they see like these miraculous things way more than we talk about here. Mm. And I don't, so that factors that in. I don't understand that. Mm. Um, I have a sense that maybe like she said, it has to do with the posture of it. Mm. I don't know. But because then even as I'm saying that, I'm like, I think as soon as I've turned it into a science, I'm missing the point. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so it's like it's a tough combo for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Tim? I don't know. I like it. <laughs> I want to believe in um, a God who works miracles and uh, still has that relationship with his people. I can't say that I've seen that personally. And so I just don't know. It's hard for me. That feels like a blind faith thing to me personally. And I, you know, I've prayed for healing for people who've just died, you know, and I, and I don't, and I don't know that I've prayed for anybody that, uh, for healing that, uh, was miraculously healed. I've never seen that. And I, and I, and I, it's always been a kind of a sore point for me because I, I, I love the idea and I love the idea that the faith decides of a mustard seed can make a mountain move. And I'm like, I believe in God. And I'll turn and look at a mountain and be like, move. Uh, and I'm like, man, is my faith really that small then? Because I can't make a mountain jump up and run around with a mm. mustard seed. So I don't know. I don't know that I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Part three. Right nice. On. Nice. There'll be the Tim Gombas series, <laughs> God is Not in Control. And then the Tim Stafford series. The much more invigorating series. I don't know. Wait, I don't but, know. Erie, let me ask you a question about that. Because we kind of hit this in our last Zoom call. Um, 
but I've still been chewing on it since then. Um, so, like, when it comes to praying for healing, right? So, like Tim just said, like, if you have faith as a whatever it is, grain of a mustard seed, you can move the mountain or whatever. And this idea that, like, if we have enough faith or we pray for healing or we do this thing, it will happen. Mm. Um, so, I there's something, and I want to be try to go inside and make sure it's not just, like, my own pride or, like, what it is. But there's something that is weird to me about a God that's like, I'll heal this person and I'll bring life like as long as you're good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming from a standpoint of someone who has lost, so I think I shared this. We got pregnant with Chip um, unexpectedly. And so I didn't, I don't know, it was kind of detached the whole time because I was like, what's happening to my life? And then everything was healthy and fine with him. So when we were pregnant with our second, um, I sort of had that same and excitement now, not like what's going on, but I didn't, I would kind of just like, you know, keep everybody safe and healthy type of thing. Um, So then when we lost the baby, I carried around a ton of guilt for a long time that the baby didn't survive because I didn't do my job. So in that sense, if that, when something, somebody isn't healed, when somebody isn't saved, it becomes a personal punishment from that vein. And oh. that bothers me because I don't think that that's actually true. So um, mm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Because then you do see things like if you had faith, blah, blah, blah. But are we yeah. have we just interpreted that wrong? Like what's happening there? Oh, Bonnie. Oh, I can totally see why you'd feel that way. That is such a freaking heavy load. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And um, it's because of situations like that that I think um, it reminds us that we went awry somewhere Mm -hmm. in in the assumptions we make in working these things out. Yeah. Um, I do see Jesus talk a lot about faith, and I do see him blame a lack of faith. Like he couldn't do miracles in his hometown because there was a lack of faith. So obviously the faith plays some sort of element, but I think we've turned it into some sort of, we've turned it into magic mm-hmm. and we've turned it into certainty. So if I'm just sure enough, I remember I was so young, we were at a congregational meeting in my little church and the guy stood up who was he had terminal whatever and said, God told me he um, is going to heal me and I claim it and I believe it and I speak it now into existence or something along those lines. And, you know, a month later, he's dead. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah. who who was wrong there, you know? Um, so so my overall, I, I mean, and, and Bonnie, there's nothing to say to take that pain. There's nothing to say. Mm-hmm. But I've always, Dallas Willard has helped me to understand prayer differently than just what outcomes it leads to. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I get hung up on outcomes and think that's the point, then I'm into scorekeeping. Yeah. So who gets the, you know, which faith healer has the highest percentage of healings versus, you know, prayed for healings or whatever. I mean, it just right. is, is crazy. So I, I see praying and we've talked about mm-hmm. this before, so I, I won't go on it, but I see, I see it as one of the ways that God exercises partnership with us. Yeah. Um, and it, it's one of the ways he trains our mouths and our thoughts to align with his. 
And I, what I, one of the things I love about the ministry of Jesus is all those same questions are still there, mm-hmm. right? Why didn't he heal everybody? Right. Why, why some and not others, right? The, the, the ministry of Jesus doesn't shy away from that. Yeah. Um, it, it invites that sort of, huh, I, I, really, I really don't know. And I, I, I am so suspicious of anybody who thinks they have this nailed. Hmm. Um, I, I think it is one of the fo- most mysterious ways God and humans interact. And yeah. as a result of that, I think any, like th- that oversimplifying, hey, if you just had enough faith, I think that is demonic. I really yeah. do. Again, I mean, if the if the if the enemy really is the accuser, well, that's what bounced back on you. Yeah. It wasn't lament. Oh my right. goodness, Bonnie, this is so hard. It was no, Bonnie. If you would have been more prayerful or focused or whatever. Yeah. And um, Jesus never once says that to anybody. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I don't well, have that's great. Like, no, I think that's really great, and I I. I logically believe that. I think that, and when I, again, when I stop to think, like we were talking about earlier, and I'm in a place mm. where I'm like, oh, no, there's so much going on and all that things. I, I agree. It's about the relationship, like we talked about in the dance. Um, but, I mean, totally, there's still a part of me that's like, but if it is about outcomes, I should just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I cover my bases. Yes, but then, so like now I'm wondering, this is getting into a new topic. I haven't seen it, but what is that movie? My mom keeps telling, has told me to watch it for years and I just haven't done it because of the these conversations. Mm. Um, what is that movie where the woman goes in the closet and writes the notes on the doors? Like she's praying, it's a Christian movie. Uh, maybe The War Room? I got nothing. You guys haven't seen that? It was like, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it was like super pop culture-y. Mm-mm. Okay, somebody from the... And so I think this is how the story goes. She's a wife. She's a mom. I think her marriage is falling apart. I do not know why. Okay. So she goes into her closet each day and she decides it's like this war room where through her prayer, she can pray against um, mm-hmm. like the powers and principalities and all these different things. And she writes post-it notes and puts them up as Mm. like part of this. And then as the story goes, um, I believe her marriage is then saved in the end. Mm. And so it is this big idea about like, Hey, um, look at, look at what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have questions about prayer about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I have questions about, the intermingling of uh, the woman's role in the home and prayer and how mm. we talk about that in church. Oh, good Lord. Wow. The Proverbs <laughs> 31 women. Yes. And like the this, faithful. This, yeah, this sort of idea that um, yeah. like the man's the head and he makes all the decisions and the choices, <laughs> but like you have to be in your war room. Like you have to be doing right. that like every day and doing right. this thing. So um, that's a tad you, confusing. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> wow, Bunny. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I guess I there's a reason why I don't up. watch those movies because I, I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know what would be a more faithful Christian movie is that she goes in and prays every day and her marriage gets worse. Mm, and she yeah. still prays. And she still prays. Right. That's that's the more faithful telling. Okay, but tell me this: what is what what? 
have been, probably not now, but in the past, in like an evangelical church setting, what has been the message about men and prayer for you guys? Uh, my job is to lead my wife and to lead my family in prayer. Okay. And if my wife and I aren't praying together, as a regular part of our marriage, something is wrong. And I'm responsible for that. Oh, okay. Okay. That was a message I got. I'm the spiritual head of the house, baby. Okay. Tim? I'm trying to remember and think back. Um, and it's like things like prayer warrior and promise keepers and all that kind of stuff that keeps popping in my head. Of <laughs> Like that were... Yeah. I don't know. I... I don't. I, I've been. I've been, for lack of a better term, deconstructing all of this for so long now that I don't even remember what I'm deconstructing. Yeah. I'm just trying to find the find the real version of it. Oh, I think the reason I'm asking this big question is because for women, um, this idea of like the war room or praying, like the message we heard was also that, but like also like sometimes almost. I don't know. It's weird. It's like they want you to be really bold in front of God and want you to pray these big prayers and pray these things. But also sometimes like pray your husband would see the right way and do it. It was like, it was this. You have no input. Yeah. So it was, it was, all I'm saying is that I think sometimes Mm. the way we approach prayer has often to do with if we've been taught, we're allowed to do that. And if it even right. matters, do you know right. what I mean? Like, and that can right. be true of men or women. It just depends right. on your backgrounds. This is just my specific one. But I mean, think about like a lot of children are told you're not allowed to pray. Right. In reality, it's like, gosh, those are probably the purest. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the I, I guess for me, I mean, those are such great points. I guess for me, one expression of resolution for me in prayer that that holds for me mm-hmm. together Gombus's big points with God's supernatural care and concern and provision and all the mysteries of unanswered prayer is I literally my, my prayer life now is governed by the Lord's prayer mm. and um, I pray it in a very specific you know kind of Dallas Willard way that arrives at petitions but there's this whole thing that happens first first Mm -hmm. and that has been the this has been one practice that has that has stopped at least as we've been having these gombas conversations that has stopped completely all the worryings about that part like this is how jesus taught us to pray right and so when i'm standing in these petitions and all of their implications I'm on the most solid footing, right? You know, as a follower of Jesus, I can be, and um, and I've I've just found like I can pray that thing anywhere from five minutes to an hour, mm. um, and and it covers every single base and everything we've been talking about. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. His sovereignty, my responsibility. You know, like when you get to you know, may Your kingdom come, may Your will be done. That's that's me volunteering to be a vessel. Mm. Uh, through which the kingdom comes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's just mm-hmm. not. Well, hey God, just make your way. Just do happen. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like no, 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 no. I'm actually signing up to be a mm. vessel through which the kingdom comes. 
right. um, in, in how I treat people and how, I mean, it's as broad as your whole life, right. you know, um, but, but, but you only get there after you've talked about Abba and how he parents, you know, fathers and mothers us and how God, uh, although God is that intimate, it's the God that's in the heavens, mm-hmm. you know? And so I mm-hmm. sit, sometimes look at Hubble telescope pics yeah. and just go that I, there's no way to hold those two together other than mm-hmm. just like, wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm just, I guess I'm just trying to be a pra- like practically when Gombas is saying, Hey, just pray through what you see in the scripture. This, mm-hmm. this for me has been the richest thing. And it includes all the things I do ask God to intervene. I do ask God to heal. I do ask mm-hmm. God for provision. I do ask God, but it's all in the context of these greater things. Like even the petition, give me, you know, today, um, uh, give me today our daily bread. Yeah. I mean, that fra- that reframes everything in the future I want to worry about. Mm-hmm. And it forces me into gratitude for today, right? Yeah. I have daily bread today. I have it. Yeah. I can right. trust it. I can lean on it. Yeah. I can flop down into it. And then I just I just say, Lord, I just don't know what to do about X, Y, and Z. And I walk away from those things. Right. Um, so, so I think there are practical ways that we can sort of inhabit some of these things we're trying to hold in tension. Right. I agree. You know, because there, there even is a petition about lead us not to t- temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Um, well, what's that mean? You know, it's spiritual warfare. It's, uh, it's, it's confession. Mm-hmm. Forgive me as I forgive those who sinned against me. I mean, it's, it, to me, I, I just commend it as an exercise because it's been so powerful yeah. in holding these strands together. No, you know? this has inspired me. I think I'm going to get back to the old Lord's prayer. I think <laughs> the, <laughs> Cause this is, this has made me feel like, Hey, sometimes it's okay if you don't know. Yes. And you don't know. And it's, Right, like I am, like yeah, no, I I do believe in the words of Jesus. I do know that, and I do yeah. believe in the the arc of the whole thing, and I do believe in this presence of of the Spirit in us. Um, yeah. So that would be a so really good. good guide, and I think a good guide for my kids because like right now it's like thank you for my Hot Wheels, thank you for my yes, Hot Wheels. <laughs> yes. I think it'll be also yeah. a good guide as well. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because the the more I've been through therapy. To call God Abba. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't say God is fathering us because I know God is not gendered. Mm-hmm. So God is parenting me, which mm-hmm. makes it wide open. Yeah. But the, 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 uh, the word Abba is not masculine enough. To me, it's, it's a bit of both just because it's a different language. To allow me, so I picture, Dallas Willard has this um, chapter in Renovation of the Heart called The Ruined Soul. Mm. And it is the... Uh, most amazing description of of what the human soul is like apart from God mm. that I've ever seen, and I picture it as a blanket. I picture it as like a peanuts character dragging this filthy kind of blanket, you know, behind it. Yes. And and I and so I crawl onto Abba's lap, mm. and I know this could be so cliche, but for me it's been super powerful because the lap to me connotates protection, interest, focus, attention, safety. Um, care. Um, this is someone I, I don't have to carry everything. Mm. You know, if I'm if I'm on if I'm on Abba's lap, I don't have to carry it all by myself. I don't have mm-hmm. to be afraid. I'm not alone. I mean, just it combats all these things I'm, I'm constantly thinking and feeling, and I'm dragging my ruined soul with me, mm. <laughs> like behind me. I'm just dragging it, like 
Like, I know this isn't the truest thing about me, but it's, it is a true thing about me. Right, right, right. And, and so we just look at it together. Mm. And I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been, um, it's been a really powerful exercise yeah. for me. That's cool. Um, cause I do feel like you, Bonnie, I do feel it's, those are the safest words to pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The surest words, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Agreed. And I think they open up horizons then of, well, what does that mean? What does yeah. it mean for the kingdom to come in my marriage? Mm. Right. Well, that's not God doing stuff. That actually turns out to be me yeah. doing stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yep. I don't know. That's good. That's all I got. There, there are several more questions, but we are, we're at 45 minutes. So I don't know. Well, if you're listening to this on Monday, you can join us on oh, Zoom right. on Tuesday yes. because we're going to have Tim Gomez on Zoom with us. So we're all going to get together and we're going to be there to answer some more of these or if people have real-time questions That's good. to ask him. So, all right. So this will come out on Monday, May 11th. Mm-hmm. And on Tuesday, May, May 12th, 12th, we have a Zoom call with uh, the three of us in Gombas. And what time is that, Bonnie? It's at 3 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern. Perfect. Or as we like to say it, three Tim, five Bonnie, (laughs) six Mike. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Any last words, Mr. Stafford? Nope. I thought you were going to say, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, listen, um, one of the great things, one of the great gifts that we have in doing this uh, is that we get to be around some really smart people mm-hmm. and people who are thinking and taking some of the stuff really seriously. Like Pete is really looking at the Bible and wrestling with what it is. And Tim is looking at, at prayer and wrestling with what it is. And it's fascinating. We get to kind of eavesdrop on some of these conversations and then process them. Um, and as always, we're very, very grateful for all your questions, feedback, and input. That really does help and shape and point uh, us in um, a lot of uh, different directions. And so thank you for that. Um, I don't know. That's all I got. Oh, I want to do a new blessing. Oh, yeah. Can, oh. can I do one? Yes. I love this one. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I'm sitting um, up in my chair. Well, so, yeah. So, I, I was reading Jude mm. the other day. Yes. Um, and I was reminded of this one. Um, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Mm. Bam. Amen. That's a good one. I like that one. That's a good one. Like, there's no be... way I'm going to remember memorize that one because I couldn't get the last yeah, one Yeah, no, down. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, tried doing, I tried doing our blessing on Facebook, and I totally butchered it because I'm so out of practice. Oh. So, I didn't even... I was just like, may the force be with you. You know, that's all I got. (laughs) I know that one. So anyway. That was good. Thank you, friends. Until next time. See you tomorrow night.
Yes, join us.